the markets. We just can't get enough of them. Markets are the drivers of your wealth and investment strategy. Welcome to Magic Markets. I'm your host, The Finance Ghost. I am Mohammed Nala of MoKnows.com. Mo is one of the most respected macro analysts to come out of South Africa. He is now in Canada, so we get his global perspective layered on top of emerging markets expertise. Together, we will unpack the biggest trends and issues and scratch beneath the surface to bring you our insights and share our love and passion for markets and investments. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not financial or investment advice. Please speak to your personal financial advisor. Welcome to Magic Markets. Welcome to episode 21 of Magic Markets and we're very excited because we have a couple of guests here on the show this evening who we will introduce to our listeners shortly. But first up, Mo, welcome to the show and like all good 21sts, I'm not sure if this is a Canadian thing, I mean you're, you're definitely well past 21 now that you live in Canada so you wouldn't quite know yet, but certainly in South Africa your mates always you know, pull out the bloopers and, and, and pull out some embarrassing videos of your life and try and share it with people. So in that spirit, and since it's our 21st show, after I let you say hello to everyone, I've got a, I've got a little surprise for you. Yeah, Ghost, I mean, uh, 21st, you know, after 21, you always, you stay 21. Uh, so, I mean, 21, that's a nice big number. We did a nice reveal on our 18th with our new artwork. So why not a blooper reel for the, the 21st? As long as you're balanced in your approach, I'm very happy. Let's, let's have a go. So... Mo didn't know about this blooper reel for a long time and then I kind of, because I'm a good oak generally and he's my mate, I kind of gave him a heads up last week. So, you know, this is what he had to say on the matter. And then we should be good. You're not going to save this for the bloopers roll. <laughs> Except we did save it for the bloopers roll, so that's a problem. And here's another one from Mo. And that's how I would look at it. I wouldn't say, oh, you know, I, I look, in. you'll edit this. That sentence went sideways longer than the JSC has done over the past five years. It was terrible. Mo, in the interest of fairness, though, I do have one for you as well from me. Uh, Is your video okay. on now if you just turn into a ghost? Oh, sorry. Ah. Here I am. Doesn't matter how many times we do this, we do still have these, these technical problems. Uh, Mo, this one was you just basically trying to put positive energy into the universe that this simply just wouldn't happen. I'm not going on a bloopers reel. I'm not going on a bloopers reel. <laughs> But unfortunately, you did. And then really, just to finish off, one last one from me. That's the problem. You know, I think the house price growth here is going to be mooted for as long as the computer. It was another very sideways sentence. Anyway, Mo, we've had some fun over the last uh, 20 episodes. And I think tonight's going to be absolutely no different. So I'll tell you what, I'll introduce our guests. And then I'm going to let you explain the concept of arbitrage because you're the smart guy on the show. Uh, although I'll tell you what, our two guests could definitely uh, put, their, put their hats in the ring for that. So Josh, Harry from Future Forex, welcome to the show. Cool. Thanks so much, Gusto. Uh We're really, really excited to be here and um, yeah, looking forward to it. Let's try not to make it onto the bloopers reel. Josh, you as well, because <laughs> uh, now you know that it, there is such a thing. Uh, I'm going to have to be extra, extra careful. But yeah, Ghost and Mo, just to echo Harry, thanks so much for having us here. It's a pleasure. All right, Mo, do you want to lay some uh, some smart stuff on us in terms of what arbitrage is perhaps? And I mean, you know what crypto arbitrage is. It's something that you've been looking at. Uh, you know, why don't you just, just give us a bit of a layup there of what this actually is? 
Yeah, I mean, Ghost, our, our regular listeners will know that we've been talking about crypto in a couple of these shows. And I think a lot of people out there, you, you're either an early adopter, you love the stuff, it's in your portfolio, if not a large part of your portfolio. Uh, and then the rest of the general public, I think, are still coming to terms with it. So, you know, there's the outright holding of crypto. You buy it, you stay long or you trade it, you know, in and out. Uh, but then there's a separate component of crypto, which is crypto arbitrage. Now, first of all, let's take a step back and just explain arbitrage in general. Uh, when you look at uh, the concept of arbitrage, it's very much when an asset uh, or related assets trade in different markets, different jurisdictions, for example, and when there are dislocations in the pricing between geographies, for example, or different asset classes, that dislocation in the prices creates a unique opportunity for someone who has the ability to trade in both of those markets effectively simultaneously to go and sell it where it's too expensive and buy it where it's too cheap. Uh, and as you do this in an iterative type of process, uh, what ends up happening is that theoretically those two prices should come towards some sort of equilibrium. Now in the crypto space, because it's a very new space, B, because there isn't a really a, a centralized exchange, like for example, the NYSE or whatever it may be, uh, and also because it trades internationally and it doesn't stop trading. So crypto trades on weekends, for example. All of those types of dynamics means that at certain points in time, crypto, and let's use Bitcoin as an example here, but it's not just Bitcoin, will trade at a different price, for example, on a South African exchange with a South African service provider versus what it would be trading in, for example, London or the US or in the East. And those dislocations create an opportunity for people, as I indicated, to buy and sell this and effectively extract the differential, which is what is your, your arbitrage premium, if you want to call it that. So that's simplistically what this is. But, you know, I, I really want to get into this because as an asset class, uh, a crypto arbitrage certainly has interested me. I've looked into it. Uh, you know, there are some technicalities around it, but it has been providing relatively uncorrelated returns. And the arbitrage differential has been a lot more persistent than one would have expected, which means that the opportunity is still a live opportunity as we are speaking today. Yeah, and I just want to add to that because an arbitrage is based on mispricing, but it's something you have to be able to execute on. And that's why we've got Josh and Harry here is because they've built something that can execute this crypto arbitrage. I mean, in the equities world, we've seen a great example recently on CarTrack where you know, there's been this whole price discovery situation. It's going to the NASDAQ. It's actually basically happening this week in terms of last day to trade and shareholders are making their election. Um, and I will be following it to the, MAS, to the NASDAQ and hoping that there's another bloopers reel for you, Mo. And uh, hoping that it has a great uh, offshore future, obviously. But what happened there is that basically the South African price was just too expensive. Now that Karoo, with all five O's, that silly company name, has listed on the NASDAQ, um, you know, it gives us a price of what CarTrack could have been trading at, but actually CarTrack was trading much higher. Now the problem is you couldn't borrow CarTrack in the market. You couldn't short it here and then buy Karoo overseas. So you couldn't actually finish off the arbitrage, essentially. You could just go and sort of buy the offshore company and get in a little bit cheaper if you, if you wanted to. But it's not quite an arbitrage, which really ends up with, or ends up with you getting cash at the end of the day. You've made a cash profit. Another good example recently was Renogen, where the Australian price and the South African price don't really correlate and there's, there's been some ARB there. So Josh, Harry, we've talked a little about, about ARB. We want to hear from you guys and maybe you could just explain to us, you know, what do you guys do? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll run through this one. So um, basically what Future Forex does is it allows South Africans to profit off 
crypto arbitrage. And we exclusively use Bitcoin at present. And the reason for that is because there's just no volumes in the other cryptos at this point. So ultimately, what we do is we buy Bitcoin abroad, we send it to South Africa, and we sell it in South Africa at a slight profit, which is actually a really simple concept. The difficulty is executing it correctly, as you mentioned, Ghost. So we, we've perfected that process of the logistics behind it. Yeah, when I hear crypto and Forex, I must be honest, I normally think of the average Merck A45 AMG with a lot of branding on the side and follow me on YouTube and I'll teach you how to trade Forex. And Sometimes I just get frustrated because they're clearly making more money than me. So maybe I'm doing something wrong. But you guys are completely different to that. And that's why you're on this show. I mean, when I met you, uh, you really impressed me. I mean, you're both young entrepreneurs. I don't think either of you is is over 30. Um, so we're much younger than Mo, for example. And, you know, you've managed to go and build something really great, I think. And and you've done it in an industry that manages to generate quite a lot of negative news flow, let's be honest. I mean, you know, we're going to ask you straight out here. There's been a lot of scams in this space. There's been a lot of scandals. There's been mirror trading. You know, recently there's another crypto exchange that blew up. I think it's called IceX in South Africa and no one seems to be able to get their money out, right? So this is a very unregulated space. It's a little bit of the Wild West. How do you guys make sure, number one, that you are not operating like that? And this comes down as much to your own integrity as processes. But number two, what gives people comfort in an unregulated environment that in fact you're the real deal and when they give you their money, you know, you're not about to uh, leave the country and go live in the Cayman Islands? Yeah, Ghost, it's a tricky question, but also a very important one. And I think to answer this best, I'll take you down Future Forex memory lane and how we actually started this company. So initially, Josh and I did this in our personal capacities for four plus years, making huge profits off it, but never thought we could assist other people just because how would we sell it to other people? As you said, how do you explain to people we're going to use Forex and crypto together to make you absurd returns? I mean, what does that sound like? So ultimately, we started off doing it for friends and family, just like that, each individually doing it for our friends, our close friends, our family, people who trusted us as individuals. And we made such strong returns that ultimately, we started growing organically through them telling their networks, who would then tell their networks. And ultimately, we got to a point where we were selling this to people we'd never met before. Now, it's very different selling this to your brother, who you've known your whole life, and selling this to your friend's friend's friend, who you've never met and your friends have never even met. So the question is, how did we get them to gain comfort in what we do in, and how we do it? And the answer to that is that trust sort of came naturally because of how we run the business. And it was quite amazing to see how people just trusted us based on how the business runs. And what I mean by that is, firstly, we don't let people or we don't expect people to invest unless they fully understand the process. They understand why they're making money, where they're making money, where the factors that have led them to make money are. Um, and this is very different to, for example, MTI, ISEX, where, well, in MTI's case, it, there was some mystic trading algorithm where they would make absurd returns with low risk and, and no one fully understood it. I mean, Josh and I read it before it went under and thought we don't even understand what they're doing here. Um, whereas in our case, it's very clear that you're buying Bitcoin on one, on one exchange, sending it to another and selling it at a more expensive price. Um, but to, to further this, it seems that people very much value the transparency that we provide. So after each cycle, um, we provide a cycle statement, which is a statement showing this is the 
amount you made off the arbitrage. Here's how much you lost to third party costs. And here's the market risks and how they played a factor. And here's your net profit. So it's very easy to see exactly where your money came from. Clients accounts are all in their name. So Ghost, if you were to register with us, we would assist you in creating accounts abroad, creating accounts in South Africa. And at no point would it ever be in anyone else's name other than your own. So if you're upset with anything at any point, you can pull out immediately. It's all in your name. There's no waiting to get your money back or anything like that. It's all in your name. So as a combination of those three things I've mentioned there, trust has really come very naturally, very organically, and we haven't had too much of an issue of people thinking that we're a scam. I think, you know, if, if I can come in here and, you know, I can direct this to either Harry or, or Josh, you know, regulation in this space is, is noticeably absent. I think, you know, regulators are on the back foot globally and they're, they're struggling to catch up. I mean, how do you see that evolving specifically maybe with reference not just to, to South Africa, but, but globally as well? Because I think there's this increasing focus when, when very high profile individuals like U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen or Christine Lagarde, you know, come in and they're saying, you know, Crypto's a scam or crypto's open to abuse and, and we're going to have to regulate this thing. How do you see a regulation evolving and B, what potential risks does that actually present uh, to your clients effectively at the end of the day? Mo, I'm happy to answer this question as it's a really interesting one. And if we just take a look back, we can see that countries around the world have been quite slow in regulating the crypto space. And I think the reason for that is because the market cap of the crypto space has been relatively insignificant compared to other asset classes. And it just hasn't been that important for uh, governments around the world. But we're starting to see that change as um, the crypto market picks up pace once again and its market cap starts uh, growing rapidly. And most countries seem to be attempting to regulate it. And there are a few which are banning it outright, such as India, but the majority are trying to regulate it. And I think this is because ultimately blockchain and cryptocurrencies are seen as a potentially very um, powerful future technology and it'll ultimately generate jobs, generate tax revenue. So it is in the government's best interest to regulate it and allow it to flourish if they can do it right. And we've We've actually seen this happening in South Africa and South Africa is actually uh, doing quite well in this regard, in my opinion. Um, we've got firstly, of, of course, SARS has already legislated uh, cryptocurrencies and that's because the government wants to tax you on it. That's the first priority. Um, but aside from that, we've even got the Reserve Bank has been playing around with uh, distributed ledger technology um, in the form of its project Coca 2 quite recently. And then we also have the FSCA, which released draft legislation at the end of last year, which aims to make companies that provide crypto related services um, register with them in a very similar fashion to a financial services provider. And they've just termed it a crypto asset service provider. And what this will mean for our operations is that the tracking of transactions that we already do and the due diligence on clients that we already do will have to be reported to the FSEA. So Mo, um, just to answer the last bit of your question, in terms of uh, risk to clients, there is none in this regulatory, in these upcoming regulatory changes. And that's because our operations are going to continue to as normal. And 
In fact, if anything, I think it'll give our clients more peace of mind um, if they know that we are registered with a body like the FSCA and um, are regulated by them in a very similar fashion to a financial services provider. Would you guys see yourselves as a crypto exchange? Because you're ultimately going fiat currency into crypto, ban overseas, ban back fiat currency again. So would you, is it likely that you'll basically end up as an exchange or will it be something a little bit different? Just, uh, it's obviously just guessing at this point because we don't have regulations yet. I'm just curious. I'm happy to field this one. Um, so our long-term goal is to always assist individuals being uh, doing crypto arbitrage, which means that at no point do we want to be the exchange. We use third-party exchanges, but we want to be the provider that finds the best rates to go from A to B to C back to A, ultimately, and do so maximizing returns and minimizing risk. That's our long-term goal as a company. So essentially, people are placing money with you. You're making the trades happen through the various entities that you've kind of gotten yourselves happy with. Because ultimately, if something goes wrong there, your reputation's also done. I mean, I guess you need one bad trade where someone loses money and it's over, right? No, of course, we would never do anything like that. But of course, as you said, there is a third party risk in that we do use third parties and we do use handpicked, trusted, tested third parties. But on top of this ghost, my background is an actuary, which is basically working with insurance companies. So I've modeled our business as an insurance company. And what I mean by that is Josh and I haven't taken a cent out of this business yet. Every single cent goes back into the business to create a pool because as much as we don't expect anything to go wrong ever, should something go wrong, our reputations are worth more to us than any amount of money, which means should something go wrong, we've got a pool to cover that to make sure that it's never a matter of anyone lost their money through us. It's extremely important to us that we're in good standing with every single one of our clients as we have been up to this point. I've got another question on risk and, and you know, you being an actuary, Harry, and, and Josh having told me that among other things, he studied a bit of rocket science, which in a world before Elon Musk's craziness, I would have assumed makes him infallible, but now I'm not 100% certain based on <laughs> Musk's Twitter. But uh, luckily, Josh is nothing like that. I mean, just in terms of the risk, you know, what are the risks in doing this? So there must be counterparty risk because I'm giving you my money. So there's got to be some. I'm hoping you'll give it back to me, right? So there's got to be counterparty risk. Then I presume there's some market risk because the returns are going to be a little bit variable. You know, what would you say the biggest risks are and, and what should people be thinking about before making the decision, you know, to go into this and then perhaps, you know, after that we can, uh, with Mo, get into unpacking some of the returns themselves, et cetera. Yeah, I think I think before we even go to the returns, I want to just piggyback off that because, you know, I want to tick off the risks before we get into the exciting stuff, which is how much money you can actually make, right? I mean, Ghost has mentioned counterparty risk. We know that even globally, there have been some big exchanges that have gone bust. But then there are other technicalities. So, for example, you know, where are the coins stored? Are they stored on an exchange, off an exchange? That kind of technicality. Uh, the other thing which crypto is known for is that the, the transactional or the friction costs in kind of going through the cycle, as you've described it, uh, whilst not material enough to, to erode the return or the arbitrage completely, uh, still comes through. And whilst you may be able to quantify that and show that to your investors on their statement, their cycle statement, as you described it, could you quantify that for us in terms of what does that actually look like? Yeah, Mo, I'll, I'll run through sort of the market risks and the costs, and I'll let Josh touch on after that the counterparty risks, where the coins are stored and uh, your other questions. So just to just to touch on what those market risks actually are. So there are two market risks. The one is a currency risk, 
and the second is a Bitcoin risk. And I'd like to go through each of those in a bit more detail. So why is there a currency risk? Because of course, we're buying the Bitcoin in dollars. So we have to um, exchange money from rands to dollars. And we do that in the morning. And generally, the money only arrives that afternoon. So there is that sort of call it half a day of currency risk, whereby if the dollar drops relative to the rand, it's not great for an investor. And if the dollar strengthens relative to the rand, that's fantastic for the investor. Um, the second risk, which I mentioned, was Bitcoin risk. Why is there a Bitcoin risk if you buying it on one exchange and selling it on another? And the answer is because it's not instant. When you buy on an offshore exchange, it takes anywhere between five minutes to 60 minutes for the money to come through to South Africa, which means that investors are invested in Bitcoin for a short period of time. And what we do to mitigate that risk is that we bring the Bitcoin back in tranches. And what I mean by that is, let's say, Mo, that you give me 100,000 Rand to invest. I'm never going to put a full 100,000 Rand of your money in Bitcoin. What I'm going to do is I'm going to put, call it 50,000 Rand of your money in Bitcoin, wait for that to come through to South Africa, sell it in South Africa, then put the other 50,000 Rand of your money into Bitcoin and let it come to South Africa. So if there is a flash crash in the very short space of time whereby you're trading Bitcoin, only half your money is invested in Bitcoin at that stage. So what we've noticed from sort of the thousands of transactions that we've done is that the vast, vast majority of them, for both currency risk and Bitcoin risk, the amount of money lost or gained is between negative 1% and 1% of the initial value. Now, bear in mind that a spread, the, the spread being the difference in prices between abroad and South Africa, sits at around 4%. So in other words, even in a poor trade whereby you lose 1% to currency, you lose 1% to Bitcoin, and this is a really unlucky trade, you've lost 2% due to the market risk factors, and you're still making a profit because of that plus minus 4% um, spread. So therefore, I think it's fair to say that this is an extremely, extremely low risk investment in that even if the market goes against you, you're likely to make a profit. Um, just to run through the costs, you mentioned that there are, can, can we quantify those third party costs? We've managed to get third party co costs down to between sort of 0.8% and 1.2%, depending on how much you invest per cycle. The more you invest per cycle, the lower that third-party costs. So this is a really low third-party cost. And what we've done is we've um, got the best third parties, the cheapest third parties, and the most reliable third parties. That's our research and development coming into play to make sure that we give the best service to our investors. I'd like to just touch on one further thing in this regard, which is how our fee structure actually works. And we do something called a performance share fee structure. And what that means is that we take a percentage of profits, not a percentage of amount initially invested, but a percentage of profits as our fee. And this allows us to be fully aligned with our clients. Our interests are fully, fully aligned in that should an investor do badly, so will we, and should an investor do well, so will we. So we really do treat investors' money as if it's our own because our returns are 100% correlated to our investors' returns. Um, I think at that point, I'm going to hand over to Josh to go through the counterparty risks. We, we realize that this is a, a really big concern for your average investor, especially when they're first entering the crypto space. So we've taken every measure possible to try and mitigate this so that our clients don't need to really fear any counterparty risk. 
And as Harry mentioned earlier, the primary way we do this is that we keep the funds always in the client's account. And what that means is that they create the account, the account is in their name, and they are the only ones that have full control to this account. And what this also has the added benefit of doing is it gives them the ability to see everything that's going on in their crypto accounts. So they can completely monitor profits, losses if they want to, and check that we are relaying accurate information. And should they want to, they can pull the plug at any stage. So in order to actually do the trading, we do need limited access. So our automated software does have the ability to buy and sell Bitcoin for them. And it also has the ability to send their Bitcoin to their South African crypto exchanges, but no other crypto accounts. And yeah, we found that our, our clients really love this transparency. Um, but to make it a bit easier, we also give the statements, which Harry mentioned earlier, just so they can kind of see exactly what happened in a nutshell each trade. Mo, in terms of your question about the coin storage, so the coin storage is done by the respective crypto exchanges. And in general, what's really great about crypto arbitrage or Bitcoin arbitrage is that the, the client's funds are exposed to this kind of crypto wild west for a very short period. It's a day each time. And the exposure to actual crypto, as Harry mentioned, is very, very short. It's five minutes to an hour. And the time that that crypto is is actually sort of sitting in a hot wallet, so to speak, is extremely small. As soon as that Bitcoin is bought, we are withdrawing it to the South African exchange. Then it's in transit where it cannot be touched. It is impossible to do anything with it. And then pretty much as soon as it lands, it is sold. So there's a very like negligible window in terms of any malicious people stealing it or a crypto exchange going down and that crypto being stolen. Tell us a little bit about your track record. Tell us, you know, the kind of returns you guys have actually experienced uh, for your clients uh, over the time period that you've been running. Returns per cycle range between 1% and 3% net return after all costs. Um, and it's important to realize that a cycle takes only a day. So you can do multiple cycles a year. In fact, the only limiting factor is the capital allowances um, of 11 million rand, which Mo, you did mention earlier, um, the, the capital allowances of a total of 11 million rand, which means that there is one downside to arbitrage, which is that the most you can really make in a calendar year is around 300,000 rand. Regarding why there's variability between 1% and 3%, that is almost solely due to the amount you invest per cycle. So the more you invest each cycle, the closer you'll be to that 3% because the lower costs, fixed costs and third party costs become as a percentage. And the less you invest per cycle, the closer you'll be to that 1%. So it's actually relatively predictable how much you'll make in a year. The more you invest, the more you'll make a year. And I can tell you based on how much you invest up front, how much you're likely to make in a year should you get through your entire 11 million rand allowance. And Harry, I know from our conversations and I, you know, we need to start wrapping it up. So it's something I just want to run through is most South Africans don't use their offshore annual allowance per year. You've got up to a million rand, no questions asked. And you've got another 10 million if you jump through a few hoops, which I've understood from you is something your team assists with. And, and really, I think above all else, what you offer is for those who are willing to 
take a bit of a punt at crypto, but without wanting to hold it long-term and are willing to use up an allowance that perhaps they're not using otherwise. In other words, they're not going and buying shares in Twitter and Facebook and Microsoft, et cetera, or, or shifting money offshore for any other reason. It allows people to maybe make use of that allowance, actually generate true alpha in a portfolio because really, as Mo pointed out right at the beginning of the show, it's not linked to anything in the market. It's an arbitrage. It's, it's really a kicker in the portfolio. For those who are interested in, in learning more about that, how do people go about getting more information? How can they contact you? In, inevitably with this, people have a load of questions. So what's the best way for them to actually find out more about this relatively interesting investment? Yeah, so there, there are plenty of ways. You can visit our website would probably be best. We've got an Instagram account. We've got a LinkedIn account. We've got a Facebook account. But best would be on our website. Head to contact us. Head to register if you've heard enough and want to get involved immediately. Um, that's That would be the best way to go about it. And that's futureforex.co.za, right? That is futureforex.co.za. And, and Ghost, one thing I'd like to add in there is those 1% to 3% returns I mentioned, because you can do 40, 50 cycles a year, you're looking at returns of over 100% um, per year from this, from this investment. I think, you know, as, as with anything on the show, we, we don't go out and give financial advice. It's really about getting really smart people like Harry and Josh on the show to, to discuss new ideas, new concepts. So, you know, I've, I've got tons of questions. I think there's a whole nother show we could do on this. You know, something I'm going to just throw out there is that, you know, if you look at the, the futures curve on Bitcoin versus where Spot is trading right now, there's an arbitrage there as well. Uh, and it's one that hasn't been narrowed by the institutional marketers yet. So there are lots of ways to skin a cat. Uh, this has certainly piqued interest, I, I know, for myself. Uh, it's something I have been looking at. And again, would urge our listeners to go out there, uh, do your own due diligence. Uh, but guys, thanks so much for being on the show. I think you've given us lots of uh, food for thought. And I wish you all the best in your endeavors as well. That concludes episode 21 of Magic Markets. To our listeners, you know what to do. Go rate the show. It always makes us happy. We've had a few people write nice things on iTunes, so please don't be shy. Write nice things to us. We always love it. And uh, we look forward to doing this again next week. Remember to visit thefinanceghost.com and monos.com for more detailed insights. This podcast was for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial or investment advice. Please consult your personal financial advisor.